You live on this street. And her left. Right here. You missed uh, it, yeah. Uh, it's all right, we're good. We just go down one more. Hold on, that's who I was looking for. Wait one second, because that's what's coming around. Hey, Mama, how you doing? Oh, I thought Ken was there. Photographer. How are you today? Ah, bless beyond measure. That's uh friend's mother, and he's an ex-offender, an OG from this neighborhood, one of the men that everybody respect, and we're addressing the issues of mass incarceration and the criminalization of black men. I did two major sentences. And uh, the last one, I had come home from the 10-year sentence, right? I got busted with several hundred guns. And when the cops didn't kill me, it wasn't that I tried to commit suicide by a cop. I was just like, okay, this is it. It's going down. I got two guns in my hands, 100 police heading there. I died this shit over. I stepped out with the guns in my hand, and even as I was trying to select a focal point, the SWAT team parachuted down on me. I didn't know they were up there, right? And hurt me worse than anything, anything physically in my life. And I got like seven bullet holes in me, multiple stab wounds. I've been tortured. That motherfucker hurt me worse than anything. That's why team, I swear. Well, I ended up in the bullpen. And in the bullpen, I'm just planning like, okay, I'm going back to prison. This is probably going to be a life bit, even if I survive the normal shit in prison, right? This is it. So I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I got to do this. And then all of a sudden, it, whoa, what about my babies? What about my woman? And uh, so that thought resulted in me hitting the prison compound with a determination to do whatever I could do to parent from hell and to parent my children through hell. I'm like, damn, now we're going up in there and dismantling from the inside. I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do whatever I can do. I don't know what, it might not be shit, but I'm gonna try. And then a bunch of the brothers who worked with me in the prison who all know about my family because I started a parenting from prison program as a result of that first night of resting consideration. We can go around to the house so we can eat and then yeah. come on. You can make the right, right here. Out Here is a folklore series determined to bring America together. It's a love letter to people whose voices deserve to be heard. The first time I heard the term international proletariat revolutionary struggle, I was about to punch the person who said it because I thought they were slipping me. I thought they was disrespecting me. Why would you be talking to me like that? You want to talk to me? I don't know what the fuck you're even talking about. I thought they was disrespecting me in the class because they was like, what the fuck is it? International proletariat revolutionary struggle. And they was like, Panther, you're supposed to know this. And I'm like, I ain't never heard no shit like that. I got excellent memory, but I can't read worth shit. Third, fourth grade education. But I ain't never heard all those words together. So. When was that? 1960, 1968. So the seeds were as important because it was decades later that I could bring what I had internalized to a place where it was effective and important to our community and important to my survival because as I became of value in the prison system, the brothers made sure 
that I was seeing with favor, that the program that we worked on was mm -hmm. left alone. Mm. The predator shit couldn't happen. Mm. The whole joint would come down on it, bam, the whole joint, bam. Do not mess with our parenting programs. If you disrespect any space of spirituality, we coming for you because mm -hmm. you're going to disrupt the whole ecosystem. All right. Uh, and so that's where a lot of the love generated and the mutual respect. That's where I think we're at now. Mm -hmm. And the last part of that, we ain't never been losing. That's their story. Our people have made amazing sacrifices, wonders, like wow, wow. And four million survived in the United States of America and were emancipated from that. Not just we still here. That was yesterday. We are here. Now we here. Mm -hmm. We are. What you gonna do? And all the rest, including poor-ass white folks, is depending on us. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't understand it. The world. We are who we are. God, circumstances, history, capitalism... Shit thousands of years ago, seeds planted, bloodline started. The most resilient on the planet Earth in the belly of the beast. So, you know, as hard as, you know, this shit done been, I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, to all injustice and to trying it, to my own ignorances and weaknesses, I fight all that shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not even I fight it, I just live against it. So let's get back to your stuff. Describe yourself with your name, your age, where we are right now, and the work that you do. My name is Blair Anderson. I am 68 years old. I am a student of the church. I was raised to be a man of valor, a protector as the eldest son. I'm the student of my fathers and my uncles and our grandfathers who mm. said we need a warrior to lead our family, to protect our family. And my peers and I, that's what we did. What you hear is who I am. I'm a caregiver. That's my brother clearing his throat. So I'm unapologetic about that. Mm. <laughs> so that led me to organizing because I needed strength to protect my family. And I joined the Black Nationalist organizations, the Black Stones. Me and the brothers organized that. We were like, how do we organize to protect ourselves? So that led me from, you know, our place in our family's history to our roles and to organizing what is now called the Street Gangs of Chicago. I worked with that. I loved that. Those brothers protected me, kept me alive, nurtured me gave me rites of passage. And from there to a shootout with the Black Panthers, the first Black Panthers that I met shot me a couple of times. Why? Because they thought I had given an order to shoot them, to kill them. They started shooting to get the hell away from us. And they deliberately wounded five people. Mm. Deliberately. I'm talking about point blank range, no murders. Except they tried to kill me. They hit me an inch from my heart twice, you know. God say he'll give you armor. From there, I went to the Panthers' office. 
I thought they was kind of silly. I was like, you would shoot a motherfucker like me? <laughs> you know, I'm Blackstone. You would shoot me and let me live and stay in my neighborhood? So I went to the office. As soon as they figured out who I was, so I met Fred Hampton, and we had a conversation about this. And uh, so instead of having the FBI's planned gang I was sent from the Black Peacestone Nation, from the Cobra Stones, to the Black Panthers. Plus, I was talking all that black nationalist shit, right? <laughs> In the gangs. That pathway segued into nearly 40 years of institutionalizations, you know? Because I've always been in resistance. And seven years ago, I was paroled. Actually, my daughters and, and my family and others came and got me out the damn prison, finally. And uh, since then, I've committed my life to doing what my life has always been about. Oh, got me drifting again. Mm -hmm. Where are we right now, then? We're in Detroit, Michigan. We're in a house that is the Taylor Street Cooperative. It is like a Black Panther pad, a place for our community. I live here. Our collective provides as much housing and support as we can. So it's, it's the commons. I have been so blessed. We've had families and victims and refugees and people uh, looking for sanctuary, mm -hmm. especially Africans who get ignored in that issue. And so uh, I keep a very high public profile, and uh, that helps me do the work. Mm-hmm. You love Detroit? I love Detroit. I love our people. I love Mother Earth and all my politics and all that. First, first, first is Mother Earth. You know, we all have an equal stake in that. Mm hmm So do I love Detroit? I love Detroit people. I have three daughters who are... Like, Super Detroit. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, my daughters are what we call Panther Cubs. They're double Panther Cubs, because both my queen and I were Black Panthers. They are dynamic young women, one in leadership. We all agree that she stands in the intersection that your generation, you know, mm -hmm. stands in. Mm -hmm. The evolution of so much thinking to this place where we can reach up into our orbit intersections and, and move things. I'm a gangster, right? G, ex-con, 36 years, I know everybody. And because I ran programs as a Black Panther, and all throughout my time in prison, I, I did whatever I could, whatever the brothers needed of me. And they made me get it. They made me get it, made me. Like, hey, bro, what? You, you're a Black Panther. Yeah, we got Black History Month coming up. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be bothered with your food. They're like, uh-uh, bro. Uh, we got to do a program. So, man, you and them, them Black Power Board. Now, these are the gangsters of Detroit. These are the mega families in the penitentiary. And they like, listen, bro. I'm like, what? What you need to do this, man? You need space. You need programs, proposals from our guys. You need our time. Now, while I'm running these programs, or, no, I'm the figurehead in these programs, because it's not that I know so much, but I represent something that they allowed me to represent and then nurtured 
So that resulted in this Parenting from Prison program mm -hmm. that we developed, right? Mm -hmm. So all of the leaders, all of the good brothers, all of the prisoners who came to the program that ran for 18 years know her stories because they were part of the parenting program, wow. but she was part of the resourcing of the program. Mm -hmm. So when a prisoner's children or family needed something, I could holler at my baby. And she'd be like, how am I supposed to do that, Dad? I said, oh, no. But she understood. You born and raised in Detroit? Born and raised in Chicago, Southside, Blackstone. Well, okay. <laughs> People Nation, five-point star, Asian. So where's home? Home is Detroit. Why is it significant to you? I was imprisoned in this state. When I first went to prison, I think I was 24, 25, and the men who I met, the Panthers who I met, the uh, warriors who I met, the street hell legends who I met, the, the monsters of fucking Michigan who I met. I just, I met my best friends ever, you know? Mm -hmm. And then many of us over in that span of time, you know, I watched us struggle and die. And I stayed because of a sister. I met my queen on Woodward, downtown. I think she had just returned from, I think she said Germany or something. And these thousands of people in Detroit, the person who draws my, just captures my attention is a Black Panther. And we never separated until, yeah, we ain't really separated. She don't like me no more. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. It's all right. I love her. Yeah. For real. Mm -hmm. She's my queen. Mm -hmm. And also, she has done just this amazing work with our daughters. But that's, you know, black women, right? So she hung with me for 26 years in prison. 26 calendar years. Now, sometimes we didn't talk for a long time. Bought me home. I love you, but man, I'm gonna forget you. I don't really like you that much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is an advancement. This is progress over other ways that she's expressed that to me. Because <laughs> there's been a time or two when I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. You so know? is that Detroit to you? Yes, we're warriors. The battlefield is my Detroit. And keeping that battlefield away from y'all is my destiny. That's my role. Mm -hmm. You feel safe here? I am safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's be safe. Mm -hmm. Fuck them. But if they come, the Grim Reaper, if, if it's that time, guess what? We're going to meet him in battle. Mm -hmm. I am not afraid. No, we're not safe. No, we're not safe. But I'm not afraid. Never have been. I've been terrified. I stay here because I am a Detroiter who has family here, community. What does community mean to you? Ooh. It's, first of all, the love and the respect, you know, the ease, you know, that me and their mamas come visit and chill for a minute and cool, you know. It's resistance. It's finding locating, uh, identifying with, supporting. My community is them warriors who we all set up in their school with each other. 
Mm-hmm. And we said, we are going to change this shit. You talk a lot about what you give and provide the community. Do you feel like it's your life's work? My life's work? Mm-hmm. It's my life. Mm. I can tell you like memory. Why is memory so important to you? I think telling our stories is important. Our stories are our lives. And they have power and energy and direction and hope. And we have to tell our own stories so that we circle that power to our people. Is there a significant memory that has shifted or transformed the course of your life? Yes. My comrade, Caprice Eleanor Quinn. My queen. Yeah. I've been blessed. Met a bunch of dynamic people. I mean, I have, you know, just been there, and it's, you know, it's confirmed. It's not some, you know, shit I've been there. You know, I remember Malcolm in Chicago in front of our line door Elijah Muhammad's house. I got to see Malcolm from a distance, you know, when he was a motif and we was little guys. And we got to look at this mountain of a man. Hey, man, Farrakhan, all of them, because they came and served as motifs in Chicago. And we the Blackstones. We was the little boys who couldn't nobody control. We was also the church boys, so they wasn't able to just convert us. But we were their sons. So I have seen Honorable Elijah Muhammad, not any closer than his house. Hi, Mr. Muhammad. You know, hi, Mr. Muhammad. You know, he gone to the, you know, to the cars, the limousines, up into his house, into Temple Number 2. We in the neighborhood. But my point is, all of them came. My mama cooked. My mama cooked Popeye. She's a church girl. I love Popeye. Mm-hmm. She cook them on racks and take them to the meetings. She just drop them off. And everybody knew. When she stopped doing it, we get word. King and them back in town, they was wondering why they ain't getting no Popeyes. <laughs> who cooking the Popeyes anyway? So mama wouldn't stay. My daddy was like, come on down there with them damn preachers. Cook my food up and take it to them preachers, huh? And them boys was pretty too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Jesse Jackson, my little king, you know, you know Abernathy, so you walk on down there with them. Blair, you go with them. Make sure your mama get back home. So I took them pies down. I had the racks. And it wasn't nothing, but I was there in the office. All of these great and amazing people, none of them surpassed with this queen. It's the value that she has brought in my life. My greatest memory is the moment I saw her. Thank you for sharing that. What's it feel like? To be in love. Mm-hmm. Bunches of different things. It's fun and tickling and terrifying. It's empowering and disabling, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dialectical, random. I think the love has a lot to do with proximity. Love is cultural and spiritual. It should be ethical. Love between my brothers knowing that your family is extended through respect and honor of your brother's family, Mm -hmm. you know? If we got it, you got it, Mm -hmm. you know? Within reasonable limits and, you know, and all of that, uh, and others, and the importance and the security, you know, of that. I ain't got to hit bottom, you know? There's a net, a loving, nurturing, a sustenaculum of brotherhood, and that's a different type of love, you know? I think I have just a love for life, and, you know, there's that. 
which really runs me crazy because a whole bunch of motherfuckers that I love that I don't like at all. I think people deserve love. I think we have an obligation to provide that simple consideration because it doesn't have to be anything. You know, love ain't just crazy. Love is just leaning in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If enough of us leaning in the right direction, it ain't got to be no big leap. We just change the course of planet Earth. What about trust? Trust? So who do you trust? Who do I trust? Mm-hmm. Lots of people. I trust myself. I trust the skill sets that I have developed. Probably trust more of the most dangerous men in this city than I do anybody else. Because I know exactly where they're coming from. My man's in them from the joint. Trust. I offer it. I think that people should be offered the opportunity to be trusted. I definitely believe in accountability. What does a trusting relationship look like to you? Honest, open, free. I don't support the core cultures, values on marriage and relationships. Anglo-Saxon law, and I, and I don't know if I'm using the exact right term, marriage and relationships in the United States are patterned after yeah, Anglo-Saxon law, which actually is designed to enslave both to the government. That's the purpose. I put your God-given right under a contract, and I enforce it. I'm the law. So I don't support that shit, you know? What does that mean? I've never supported monogamy. It, It just don't make sense that we own each other. It's apparent, you know? It's about ownership, and that we must create some brand new shit. Because of my life, I know is important. We ain't had no secrets in the joint. And I'm referring to that because it's culturally it's important to us. When you got nearly 40 years of your life in prison, a whole lot of your values are centered or developed or matured or nurtured or were put to sleep. You know, that's what we worked to do was to restore ourselves and define ourselves. Like, hold on, you know, who are we? What's next? How you feel about technology? I had never been online. I came home from prison. They put a phone in my hand, and it rang. I threw an $1,100 phone down on the asphalt. Scared the hell out of me. I had no idea what it was. I thought maybe a bomb was about to go off or something. Mm. You know, cultural shock. You could imagine my family, they looked at me like, they looked at each other, they were like, oh God, this is going to be difficult. (laughs) 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 Because I was shook, you know? And then I, you know? I think technology is resourcing the greatest generation of our people ever with information that would allow our people to ascend, to try to navigate places and spaces and, and things. It's power that we've never had access to, that nobody has, and now we have equal. We don't have equal, but we have our intelligentsia, our great fortunes, and the shit our people are doing all over the fucking world. I think the technology is terrible. It's just shut all that shit off and go back to the fucking earth. But it gives us some type of power and we've got to use it and we've got to prepare because we might end up, you know, telling. What are your thoughts about the current state of this country? I think, first of all, I'm not a fucking scholar. I'm a brother who read 
a thousand books and maximum security cell, fucking prison. So I don't want to be pretentious. It's like I get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. I think that we are at a very scary time. I think that we're about to have a very hot summer. And I remember what that's like, and it ain't no joke. So I think it's important that we mobilize our communities defensively. We ain't in no kind of shape. We're talking about we finna go just flat out attack the whole system. That's just out the question. So I question those who do all that bombastic shit. What, what, what is you talking about? We finna lead our people into a massacre or lead our young people into a dead end street. I think that is terrible a time as we're in. It's also a wonderful time, you know? And that, hey, Hey, tell Romaine we need to get the lawnmower. We are uniquely qualified to handle this shit. So, in between all of that, we gotta get the we gotta get the lawnmower so we can get that. You wanna do that tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And we, I'm, I might try to get the get the grass cut because I'm. I was yeah. just thinking about it when I was out there too. Yeah, and I and I might get it done because all I gotta do is just pick it up at the house and drop it out the shop around the corner and then come on back. But we got to do it in a timely fashion because that's what happened last time. When you want to do it? Uh, shit, whenever. As long as it's before, before the place closed. What was that, 3.30? I think so, yeah. So we don't get you. It'll be tomorrow. No, it could be today. Okay. Yeah, just let me know when you're ready. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Where were we? We're talking about this country and how we're, we're well equipped. Um, I think we need to confront this evil at, at every level and concentrate on places where we can make solid fucking gains, you know? Like here in Detroit, there are billions in developments, billions. There are, I think, almost a trillion. Hey, hey Josh, you might know this too. Information. How much money are they supposed to be sinking into the river for their infrastructure for the de new defense system they finna put in? Did your research show anything on that? No, that I don't know. Mm -hmm. the, the last I heard may have been something like close to a trillion on this international border all the way up and down that river. They finna put the missiles in there and all that shit. Now, as horrible as all that is, that trillions of dollars or those billions, hundreds of billions, are about to push our people around to the places that gives them direct access and so they can secure a community, which means this community too. All the way up here, to the historic area there, right? They're taking all that, all the way over there, taking it. And they want us out of here because part of the plan has always been that they could isolate communities and they use the designs of the expressway in, what was it, King Alfred plan? <laughs> to transport military vehicles to be able to section a city off within, you know, within a few hours. So that's part of the push in this area. So how do we resist that? You know, so we need some solid gains. That's why we got to go at that money. This ain't about capitalism, this is about some gangster revolutionary shit. We handling this shit, we are handling this. our neighborhood, we are handling, we won't allow you to do anything else. Mm -hmm. The constitution says that we have the right to do that. You have the right to stop any fucking business in your community. The people do. 
The people can overrule. The people can goddamn change the laws. All that shit. And the only way we're going to be able to survive with the push that's coming, yeah, they done bought a mile. They bought everything that they could get their hands on. And then the cultural pressure is forcing people out. The seduction. My damn house would be worth damn near a quarter million dollars and I might have to sell this. Not much time left on earth. And most of the homes are held by elders. So we had a point of liquidation or transference and they got us in a trap. Cause we ain't got enough. When I say we, the leadership of our communities do not have the resources to protect its communities. That also starts on a familial level that if Uncle ain't got no money in his pocket, then Nick's gonna stick a hand in somebody's pocket. A whole different thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's largely financial. I think our struggle is financial. If they got billions of dollars on the battlefield, Queen and Singer say, do not leave the tools of the enemy on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in this ugly, ugly, ugly ass shit we're in, it's some, it's some possibilities or some stuff that we gotta do. Mm -hmm. you know? There's some stuff that we can do. There's some imperative steps that we must take if, if we are to make any progress or slow the onslaught, the attack. And one of them is have enough funds, enough power, enough exchange value or mutual aid, co-op. We got to resource that shit and the resources ain't coming from the government. They got to come from the economic progress that is being destroyed among our people. Hey, y'all, we ain't running shit. The kids running. Like, what? I'm organizing a couple projects that I'm working on. But in terms of the movement, I'm a consultant. I'm like, what you gonna do? That's what you gonna do. How can I help? Mm -hmm. We're under attack. The attack has only been disguised. It ain't never changed. It ain't never changed, not throughout our history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any last words? Something I didn't cover? Any parting words for me? All power to the people. Coalitions are essential. Want to go fast, go alone. Want to go far, you're going to travel slower, but you're going to go further with others. Yeah, I don't know why I felt, because I don't talk to a lot of people. As you know, you can see it. I don't, I don't do this a whole lot. And something about our communication just said, you know, okay, so I'll just go ramble on. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.